Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scripture that we can really just glean some understanding of what it means to be followers of Jehovah God. As we dig into this text today, Christ, I pray that our hearts are open to you and sensitive to your spirit, and we're allowing you to move within us. Christ, I just pray now that you will take this time and use it for your glory. Just remove me completely. Use me. Be lifted up, Christ. Meet us all in this place with our faithful God and transform us today. We love you. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. I ask a question to the youth. I've been helping out with the, the youth on Friday night some while Amanda's been on leave. Um, and I asked the youth a question a couple of weeks ago that says, what makes you, you? I guess I want to ask, start by asking you that question this morning. What makes you, you? What about your journey in life has helped create and form the person you are? No matter if you're 10 years old or 20 years old or 75 years old or 100 years old, like some of you might be, um, how do you look at and say, this is what's made me, me? We all have defining moments in our life. We all have these, these um, circumstances or, or times throughout our journey that we can look back on and say, this really helped shape me. I remember as a, as a teenager, well, actually younger than a teenager, probably 10, 11, somewhere in there, I had this great dream, this great ambition. I was going to play NFL football. That was my life. That's what I wanted to do. And I'd even begin to, as I got to around 13 years old, I, I was playing for the local school where I was attending, and I was having some success. I was pretty good. I was recognized in many different things. I thought, man, this is it. This is going to happen. So I told my mom and dad, you know, I had a good chat with them one day. Look, one day I'm going to be uh, playing linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, and I'm going to have this wealthy, wealthy life with this nice house. And, and I was a kid, so don't rebuke me too hard, okay? I said, Mom, you can come and be my maid and cook my meals. And, <laughs> and Dad, my dad was great gardening and stuff. You can be my gardener. And look, I'll take care of you. I was genuine, you know? This was the ambition of my life. And I guess I was around 14 or 15 when God began to shift my view. I, I was sitting with a group of youth at our church, and we were talking about having a youth service where the youth would take over everything. They would preach. They would do lead the worship, and they would pass around the offering plates. They would greet people at the door, all these things. And we got to talking about who was going to preach. And they said, ah, oh, Brent, you always talk. You might as well preach. It's a fair assumption. I do like to talk. If you know me, you know that. I might as well give it a go. So I went and I met with our pastor, who I was actually really good friends with, with their family, but his, he had three sons. His oldest son, Joseph, and I were really good friends, and he was going to be leading the music, I think, that night at the service. So I went and met with, with my pastor, and, and he helped me work on the first sermon that I ever put together. And I can't remember the scripture, but it was on salvation, and we talked through what I would talk about. And I remember I got there. We had this little wood podium similar to what we use in our 9 o'clock service, and I had to sit down front in front of this side of the congregation. It was all these wooden pews with these blue padded cushions because that's all we had on Sunday nights was enough on one side. And I let them have it, you know. And my best friend, Joseph, was sitting there with his watch and he hit start when I started, hit stop when I stopped. And it was 11 minutes and some odd seconds. Bet you wish I still preached 11 minutes. But, <laughs> but I had this moment then. I went home and I got before God in my quiet time that night, I was having a frequent, a very regular quiet time 
um, through this student journal that I had picked up. And I remember sitting with God and saying, God, there was something about that moment. I just felt different. If this is what you want me to do with my life, then just let me know. I'm okay with that. I'm okay if this is what you want me to do, if you want me to preach. Because there was something stirring in me when I got up and shared. It was just different. I never experienced anything like it. There's a lot more to that story I could share, but due to time, we won't go into that. But in that moment, God began to shift my passion. My dream changed from becoming the linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, which I probably could still do. Um, Never could have. Um, To becoming a man who was used to minister and love and mentor disciple within the church. This was my call. This was my dream. When we look into this story today of Joseph, we're going to see Joseph be given a direction by God. And to get to that place where he was fulfilling that direction of God, it was a long journey. And I hope today, beloved, to be able to encourage you and really uplift you to realize that if God's placed something within your heart, just keep holding on. Just keep being faithful. No matter what's happening around you, God is faithful. So the first thing I want us to see in this text, if you'll look there, um, Joseph in these verses, now we're going to look through the whole story of Joseph, which there's no way we can read verse by verse. I'm just going to pull out some verses throughout these several chapters here in Genesis to pick up on his story. But, but we look there in verse 6 of this text, um, and we see here, I'm going to put these glasses on so I might can see the screen up there a little better. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were. Binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood up upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down. Now, we have this place where Joseph has been given a dream by God. And I want you to understand, the first thing I want you to grasp is that God is forging the plan. It's forged by God. He is the one that's saying, this is going to happen. Now, I don't think Joseph really grasped what was going to happen. I don't think Joseph had this dream and he's saying to his brothers, oh, look, you're going to all bow down to me one day. And he said, yep, I'm going to be the second in command of the most powerful nation in the known world. And you're going to all come bow down to me. I don't think he quite got that yet. But he knew there was something that was stirring in him, that, that God was placing in him that was different. I wonder, do you have a dream? Like has God put something in your heart, and it could have been years ago, it could have been months ago, it could have been last week, it might even be this morning, that God just whispers something in your heart, stirs something within your spirit, a direction, a dream that he's forging in your life. And I think it's significant to understand that this is God forging this dream in Joseph. Joseph isn't trying to just be arrogant. He's probably a bit naive and not understanding what he's saying to his brothers. I got three older brothers, and if I went to them and said they're going to all bow down to me, they would have probably responded the way these guys did. They wouldn't have been too happy. Maybe he's naive, but it's God forging. So he tells his brothers this dream, and and you see what they say. Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even the more for his dream and for his words. Then he has another dream. In this dream, the, the, the moon and the, and the stars and the sun and the moon and the stars all bow down, signifying that his, his parents will bow down to him. And even his dad rebuked him. What are you talking about, Joseph? But yet you see in the end of that, 
in the next section there in verse 9 through 11. You see in the end that his father, it said he kept this matter in mind. He too realized, hey, this is something significant. So I just want you, as we get started on this little journey this morning, I want you to really stop and think, is there a dream? Is there a passion within me that God has placed? It may not have come to fruition yet. It may not even look like it's going to happen. And we'll see that as we look at Joseph's journey as well. But you can still remember this moment that God began to dream into your life about his purpose. You do realize, beloved, that God has purpose for you. Are you with me? God has purpose for you. And your purpose and my purpose, they may not look exactly the same. They may not, may not fall apart. I mean, come together exactly the same. But they're all going to be for God's glory. And it's important that you hear what God has dreamed into your life. Now, when you begin to embrace it as Joseph did, and you begin to share it with people like Joseph did, they might not understand that. He became very misunderstood. They were like, we're going to bow down to you? What are you talking about? And, and we too, if we're trying to follow God's will, sometimes people don't get it. I remember... Look, God gave me a heart for this nation. I've shared it with you before, I think. But I began to pray for Australia well over a year, probably two years before I ever had an opportunity to come to Australia. But when I came to Australia, I was here for three months in Perth um, doing youth ministry at Morley Baptist Church as a missionary. While there, North Beach Baptist Church asked me to come back and run their youth program. So I, I've been here for three months. I go home to see my mom. I'm the baby um, of four. So, you know, she didn't like that I was gone. I come in the door. I give her a hug. She was all great to see me. How was it? And my words to her was, I'm going back, probably for two years at least. She didn't like that. She didn't understand that. She didn't really accept it too well. And then you fast forward probably 14 years later as I'm married and got four kids and living in the States, and I go to my family and I say to them, God's calling us back to Australia permanently because this is the, the nation he's put a passion in my heart for. They didn't get that. I don't know if they still get it. Now, they didn't try to kill me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, but and I don't think they hate me, although I'm not sure they've never come to visit me. And I've been here for like eight years. It's giving me a complex now, actually. But you see, when you have a, a dream of God and God gives you a dream and you try to share it, people aren't going to always understand it. But it doesn't mean it's not God doesn't mean God isn't in it. And not only do they not understand it, as I just alluded to with these guys, when you look in these next verses, Joseph was sent out to see his brothers out tending sheep. And then here in verses 18 to 20, it says that when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his what? His dreams. What were they focused on? His dreams. What didn't they understand? His dreams. What made them despise him? His dreams. That which God was forging in his life. So much so they were like, man, let's get rid of him. We'll see what happens to these dreams. Now the next um, verses, 23 to 24, talk about them not liking the coat. They took the coat off of him and kept it because they were jealous of how he had his relationship with his, with his dad. And I don't want to overlook that. That was certainly part of their animosity toward him. 
But God's dream, God's forging this dream within him. And they didn't like it. And you know what happened. They, they decided, okay, we won't kill him. We'll just sell him off to some, some wonders that are coming by. And there we find Joseph being given this, this dream of God that, that he, his family's going to bow down to him. Not in this arrogant way, you're going to be so important, but I've got purpose for you. I've got a plan for you. And it's significant, Joseph. And what happens to him is he finds himself a servant, a slave in a foreign land. Now, if you look at this next chapter, chapter 39, verse 1, it says this. After he was sold off by his brothers, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. So he was sold off to the Ishmaelites, he was brought into Egypt, and Potiphar has bought him as a slave, servant. What do you think of this dream now? What's happening now? I mean, he, he had this dream that his family was going to bow down. Well, now he's not even with his family. He's been ripped away from his family, and he's been taken to be a slave in a foreign land. It has nothing to do with his family whatsoever. So this plan that God is forging, well, what's happening, God? But I want you to see here that, that this might be the case for you as well. Maybe right now you feel like, look, I am just wasting my life serving, slave to the workplace, slave to this. And I know God has put this in my heart, but it's not happening. And I just feel like I'm just a slave, a servant. Ever feel that way? Ever since, you know what, man, I'm just marking time. What's the point in life? But Joseph doesn't get discouraged. And the reason he doesn't is because there is favor from God. God is forging away, but there is favor from God as well. When you look in this next verses, verse 2 to 6, look at this. Go to the next slide for me. There we are. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his, his being part of her sight. And served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had he put under his authority. So it was. From the time that he had made him overseer of his house. And all that he had. That the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had. Except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So we see this moment where Joseph is taken to become a servant, a slave to a foreign land, if you will. And as he's there, God says, Joseph, this is, this is so important, beloved. Joseph, I am still with you. My favor is on you. And everything Joseph did, well, it just, it worked. It was good. And Potiphar began to realize this, and he thought, well, okay, wait a minute. There's something about this guy. He's got some kind of favor on his life. And here's what I want you to get. Sometimes, sometimes, guys, those bad places become blessed purposes. Are you with me? Sometimes those places that just look really bad. I am no longer in my own land. I'm in a foreign country. I'm a servant to this guy. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. This is a bad place. 
but it becomes a blessed purpose by God. And have you ever wondered, how was Joseph ever going to get to Egypt and become second in command anyway? Was this God's way? I don't know that it was. It could have been. But what I do know and what I want you to get today is that no matter how your journey goes, God is there. He is present. He is with you. And beloved, he will give you what you need to be what you need to be in whatever situation you're in so that he will be glorified through your life. Those places that might seem bad, they can become blessed purposes of God in your life. So Joseph, I don't know what he was thinking. He's like, wow. Is this it? Like, could this be what I was dreaming? I mean, this guy's a powerful guy, and I'm, I'm now in charge of everything he has. I've got a pretty important role. I'm still a slave. But man, he's entrusted me with everything. Well, not quite. Joseph had a problem. Now, Alistair understands this, okay? If you look at the last part of verse 6, now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That's hard, isn't it, mate? It's hard to look good. It's a burden to bear. Absolutely. But Joseph had a problem, man. He was a good-looking guy. He was, he was stout. He was strong. He was muscular. And Potiphar's wife picked that up, and she noticed this. And she probably also noticed that, man, this guy's got some kind of favor on his life. So she approached him over and over and over and it came to pass that after these things that his master's wife cast long eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. Everything he has is in my hand. He don't even know what's here. Then Joseph's master, I'm sorry, there is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as he spoke to Joseph, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Over and over, he was pressured by Potiphar's wife. Just come. Come sleep with me. Just come be with me. And over and over, day after day, you see the integrity of Joseph. No, no. But this man was his master. He could have easily said, yeah, I'll get back at him, making me his servant. I'll sleep with his wife. That wasn't his heart. His heart was to continue to honor God in the circumstance. So even when, and hear me, beloved, even when opportunities had come along, that look good worldly came along, he wasn't willing to follow them because his heart was focused on being obedient to God. And you can be in a bad place and good things start happening, and you can take advantage of that and use it for your own benefit if you want to, but nothing good's going to come of it. And his integrity was so great. But it didn't turn out good for him, as you know. She continued to be very angry with him and probably embarrassed that he kept rejecting her. Then one day he came into her room. He was doing his chores, cleaning or whatever. And these dad blame coats, man. He needs to not wear coats. That's all I can say. You know, he, he, she comes in, he, he comes in and she's trying to get him to sleep with him. He's like, no, no. And he pulls away and she yanks his coat off and he runs out. And there's his coat and she uses his coat to accuse him of trying to have his way with her. And then he goes, she goes and tells Potiphar. I'm telling you, coats, they're not good. They're dangerous. And here he was. Things that are already really bad, but yet God is, is giving him favor. God is at work. God's blessing these bad places. Well, they turn worse. You know what happens? Potiphar comes in, and 
And he, I mean, he can't believe Joseph a slave over his wife, even if he's suspicious. He can't do that. I think, man, when I, when I looked into this and studied, technically he should have been put to death. Potiphar probably knowing that this didn't really happen. But, dude, I, I can't just let you go. You're going to have to go to prison for life. Maybe trying to have a little mercy on him. I don't know. But he put him in prison. Now, things shift here with Joseph. Because they, they really go from bad to worse, if possible, because he was a servant, a slave. Now, we can have compassion on slaves because it's not their fault. They're often out of poverty or through their country being overtaken, whatever the case may be, just how they were born, the color of their skin, whatever, people are brought into slavery. So you can look at slaves and you can have compassion and understanding. It's not deserving of them. But when you become a prisoner because you committed a crime, you did the wrong thing, well, you deserve your punishment, right? Now, we know he didn't do it, but in the eyes of the world, he is now a convict, no longer just a servant, but a convict. He did the wrong thing. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you were accused wrongly for something? How does that feel? I know you muffled, but you can talk. How does it feel to be wrongly accused? What's that? Crappy? Yep. Anything else? What? Devastating. Angry. Come on, man. Frustrated. Annoyed. What the heck? I didn't do this. And even could be angry with God. God, I did the right thing by you. But yet here I am now going to be in prison because I wasn't believed. You can see, man, if you're Joseph, you could be getting really frustrated at this point, annoyed, angry, discouraged, and just want to say, I quit. Okay, I, I just, that, that dream wasn't really real, I think. I must have been out in the sun a little too long. I must have smelled a little too much sheep dung or something because that couldn't have really happened, that dream I had. It wasn't really you, God, because I am now in prison. My life is useless. And when you look at that verse, verse 20 of chapter 39, then Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. You might feel imprisoned at the moment. Like there is no hope. This dream you had, what you thought was God, you see no way possible for this to happen in your life. You might be in that darkest of dark places. Get close and listen. God is at work. God is at work. Sometimes the worst case scenario becomes the greatest opportunity. You hear me? The worst case scenario of your life might become the greatest opportunity for God to move. He got put in prison. And who was in the prison with him? The king's prisoners. The cupbearer and the baker. How is he ever going to get connected to the king? To Pharaoh? I don't know. How are you going to do that, God? 
while he's in prison, feeling completely hopeless and useless and no way out, I'm going to be at work. I'm going to be at work and I'm going to make connections in his life that are going to be there to benefit and be used for my purpose for him. And he didn't even understand it. Now, I'm not saying God's will at the very beginning was for him to be in prison. It might have been. I don't know. God's God. And I certainly can't tell him how to live, I mean, to lead our lives. But I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying no matter what the circumstance is, as we all know, Romans 8, 28, for um, what? What does it say? Does anybody know? For all things work to good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. They work to good. It doesn't mean they're always good. But they're going to work to good because God loves you. And he's going to work it through in your life. But we can often just want to quit. Just quit because I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of the stress in my marriage. I'm tired of the work and feel like I'm a slave there. I feel like I'm in prison there and I just can't get free. I'm tired of all these things. God, I know you told me this, but I don't see any way possible. But can I just ask you to hang on, beloved? Just be faithful because God is at work. And you see what happens, 21 to 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keepers of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Do you see something that is just a theme? No matter where he is, no matter what he's doing, he just prospers. Why? Not because he's a good-looking guy like Alistair but because God is working in and through his life. And he is now given authority over all the prisoners. Well, guess who two of those prisoners were? Just so happened it was a cupbearer and the baker of the king of Pharaoh. And they come in there knowing they're about to die, and they're scared half to death, and they have these dreams. And they don't know what they mean. And God being at work and God doing what only God can do, he says to Joseph, this is what they mean. And Joseph says, look, I can't, I can't interpret that, but God can. Here's what he's saying. Cupbearer, in three days, you're going to get to go back, and you're going to get to be the cupbearer by the king again. And the baker's like, all right, man, this is good news. What about me? Uh, you're going to get your eyes picked out by the birds. You're going to die. Not too good of news for him. But it, was, it just showed he was truthful with what he didn't try to butter them up. He told the truth of what God told him to say. And all he said to that cupbearer was, hey, just remember me. Just remember me when you get to that place with the Pharaoh again. What happened? He forgot. Oops. Little old Joseph left in the prison, cupbearer, three days later back to his place beside the king, beside Pharaoh. But he doesn't think about Joseph anymore. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt just forgotten? You serve, you bless, you do things to honor others, and you try to help them. And in the end, they just forget about you. What's that feeling like? But all the while, you know God has given you this dream, this purpose, but it's just not happening. He was my chance to get out of here, God. He was a connection to the king, but he's just forgot about me. But God is still at work. God hasn't forgotten. Cupbearer may have forgotten, but God hasn't. If you look, skip that verse and move on a couple of verses ahead for me, Chris. 
Go to the next one. Go back one, sorry, back one more. Go for it. No, I'm joking. Don't. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, go back one more, I think it is. Go back down one. So the vice was good in the eyes of the Pharaoh and in the eyes of all the certain. No, it's one more ahead of that, sorry. I'm messing you up, man. I'm just getting you all messed up. Anyway, what happens? Is the cupbearer, Pharaoh's having some dreams and he doesn't know. And he brings all these wise leaders in and they come in to talk to him and to give him advice, but they don't have a clue what to tell him. And then the cupbearer, he goes, Oh, yeah! Man, I just stuffed up. There's a guy in prison. I had dreams too. And I told him my dream and he told me everything and it came true just what he said. And Pharaoh's like, okay, let me meet this guy. And here is Joseph, this lowly shepherd boy from Israel, walking into the presence of the king, the Pharaoh, the most powerful nation, and telling him what he needs to do. Come on. Oh, I can tell you what God means by that. There's going to be a famine there's going to be great prosperity, great wealth, and you need to store that up because then there's going to be famine and the whole world is going to be in need and you're going to have what they need. And Pharaoh and all of this guy says, man, I'm going to make you second in command of everything that I have. I'm Pharaoh, but everything will go through you to be done in this land. And we see formed by God so, so God has forged this plan, and God's favor is on him as he becomes his servant. And God follows him even into this dark place in prison. But now, formed by God is the second in command, one that all people are going to bow down to. Even his brothers and his mother and father, not his mother, but his father, they're going to come and they're going to bow down in need of food because he walked this walk with God and he stayed faithful. And it wasn't easy and it wasn't what he thought, but God had a plan and he formed him into an incredible man that was used for God's glory and he helped the nations you see that and you might be that type of man or woman that God wants to use yes his dream that was misunderstood that caused him to be misplaced and misrepresented in life because he was accused of things he didn't do and again found himself misplaced in prison and, and, and just totally misled by the, the cupbearer. He just forgot about him. This dream that caused all these struggles in his life led him to a place that he was formed by God to become a great importance, an influencer for God's glory. And as we close, I just want you to do something. I want you to imagine Joseph standing here in all of his Egyptian splendor. He's got on the gold and, and the great fine linens, and he's that nice. Alistair, you might have to stand here to give him the right picture, but nice, handsome you know, physique, and he's looking all good, and he's decked out in his Egyptian stuff. And if you were sitting there looking at this guy, you'd think, how lucky is he? Stay with me, beloved. How lucky is he, man? He's got it made. Look at all of his life. But if you knew his journey... He was a, a young boy who was rejected by his family, sold to a foreign country, imprisoned wrongly. He hasn't had it made, but he's had God.
and God's walked with him. And that's what I want you to see today, beloved. You can look at your life, and maybe you need to look in the mirror, and, and what people see in you, they don't know your journey. And you may not have had everything the way it should be, but you've had God, and God is with you. And right now, you might be feeling like you're sold out by your family, or you might feel like you're a servant to the, to the system, or you might feel like you're imprisoned by life. But God is with you. And he has is, he is forged a plan for your life. He's bringing favor to your life. He's going to follow you into those dark places. And he's going to form you into what he wants you to be for his glory. Do not give up. Believe it. Be faithful to him. Because he doesn't fail. We're going to move into a time of just worship and, and reflective thought here in just a moment. And I want you to start now thinking about maybe something that you've dreamed over your life that you, maybe you've let go because it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And I want to even challenge you further to this week, sit down with God and really allow him to speak into you. Maybe it's a new dream. Maybe it's an old dream that he rekindles and stirs up in your life. I just believe to Joseph over and over again, he had to say, remember what I told you, Joseph. This is going to happen. Don't doubt me. It's going to happen. Just hang with me. Just hang with me. Maybe you need to hear God say that to you today. I don't know where you are on this journey, but I know the God you serve, and I'm certain he's with you wherever you are in the process. So press into him and let him lead you this week. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that as we look at Joseph's life, we know that you have a plan and you will bring favor to our life as we just stay faithful to you and you will follow us no matter how dark things might seem because you are forming us into something that brings glory to your name. Help us to stay faithful, Jesus. We love you. Amen.